Hello, and welcome once again to the wonderful world of the Skeptic Psychic, where we are more or less enjoying the 2024 year. With me, of course, is my wonderful, sweet, kind, considerate, brave, clean, reverend sister of mine, Kimber Rodriguez. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going pretty well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, it's We're having our second day of winter here in Texas. Um, right. It's 35 degrees, so I've been freezing my tootsies off. Tomorrow mm. we're going to be back up to the 50s. I miss uh, so. I, I miss the up there in the wonderful world of uh, the great white north. They've got in the teens or lower, and I miss that. Yes, I I like the cold, but I feel like if I move away, I'll be leaving the ocean, which I also love. So that's kind of where it gets kind of difficult. Well, I'm in the desert. My dream place would be in the winter to live in the mountains and in the summer to live by the ocean. Ah, so you, you'd be a reverse uh, uh no uh yes i would be a, a reversed uh, instead of being a winter texan i would be a summer texan <laughs> so did you hear that uh trixie from the honeymooners died yes yes i saw that uh she was the last of the honeymooners wow 99 years old yep i mean jackie gleason's gone art carney's gone uh, I can't remember her name. She had uh, and uh, and Meadows, I believe, or could have been Audrey. I'm not sure, but anyway, uh, uh, yeah, she she was the last of of the uh, uh of the uh of the sh uh member of the show to die. Oh wow! I know that uh. Audrey uh, had a sister, and her sister is the one who was on uh, The Honeymooners. Audrey Meadows was actually married yes. to one of my uh, favorite prolific uh, uh, writers, Steve Allen. Oh, who wow. Who created The uh, Tonight Show. I did not know that. I, oh, I mean, yes. I did not know that they were married. Yeah. Well, basically, The, uh, the Tonight Show... Uh, they say Jack Parr was the creator of it, but at the same time, Steve Allen brought that format uh, into the uh, into it. But we're getting off topic. Sorry, not a problem. Let's talk about the wonderful creatures, mythology, maybe fact, maybe fiction, of the other mythical creatures of the deep. Let's talk about the sirens. Yes. Now, before, anything uh, before we get into that, anything paranormal happened to you? I know it's been a while since we've been on. Excuse me, uh, I my bottle. <laughs> it's been a while I'm, since we've been on, but anything interesting happened to you over this holiday time? Why are you saying that like like that, huh? Which, which, well, I'm just you... saying. I mean, we haven't done anything since before Thanksgiving. We took some time off, and I apologize to our viewers, but we are back. And ready to go for this new year with some new things. 
I'm right. just wondering if anything exciting or paranormal has happened since this is a paranormal show. What are you trying to say? Are you trying to get me to say something? Are you trying to say that uh, I, I walk with ghosts? Are you trying to say that even though uh, I've had the chupacabra and Bigfoot over for a barbecue? Huh? Is that what you're trying to say? Hey, I can't say anything if I don't know what's going on. That's why I'm asking. Right. Right. No, nothing really paranormal has uh, gone pretty much. Uh, just the usual uh, things that I see and uh, I hear. So. And I am trying to actually, uh, through reading certain books, to get my, you know, myself built up before I... Uh, before you open yeah. the floodgates? Before I open the floodgates, yes. Uh, I actually met a wonderful lady who I think you would really like. Who um, She is a medium and she works with people on that. If you are interested, I can introduce you in a group chat sometime off camera. Okay. Well, that sounds pretty good, like I said. Uh, as I say as always... I see whatever I have as a curse, not a, uh, a gift, because it is so hard to shut it off sometimes. I get that. See, I'm the opposite. My brain goes so fast and so much information. In fact, this lady, um, I had a reading done with her mm -hmm. um, a few weeks ago, and she described my mind as being like a race track with these cars just racing by and crashing into each other she explained that that's how my thoughts are <laughs> uh, well, so was, well my, mine are like uh the vomit comet uh, mine are just racing thoughts all the time crashing into each other right. so it was very hard to get a good read um but she did say that if i could quiet my mind that i have a potential to be a pretty strong intuitive myself right well like i said so, my mind uh is Kind of, kind of like the uh, vomit comet meets a miracle round. Ah. So you just have all this information being dumped on you and it just keeps going around in circles? Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, that's the best way I can uh, betray it. In. So. so. But as I said, we have been off for, you know, a few weeks with the holidays from... I think our last episode was what, back in December. Day. Yes, back on Halloween. Um, and then we took well, November, December off. Um, last week, we did do an episode on predictions with Jason. And I will go ahead and link that if anybody hasn't seen it yet, but would like to, that will be linked in the description, as well as if you're watching on video, I'll put a link up in the video as well. But let's get into Sirens. Yes. And, you know, if you're anything like our research assistant, you probably think, Cyrus, <laughs> why are we doing another episode on aquatic females? Well, you know, we just covered the mermaids uh, a few weeks back. And guess what? Surprise. In today's society tends to consider mermaids and sirens as the same thing. However, the using their name for first, the two are not at all 
alike. Mermaids, as we covered in uh, in previous episodes, are humans from the waist up and fish from the waist down. Now, some stories will tell the sirens of hanging out underwater caves and the like, but the oldest tales say different. The sirens of old weren't part of fish at all, but rather the appearance of a beautiful woman. But she was really half bird. Or thinking, a harpy? Uh, more of uh harpy was more of an ugly bird while sirens were more of a pretty bird we're thinking that bits under those long flowing skirts but there are also myths adding in wings but we'll get to that story in a couple of minutes there's at least one myth that insists sirens were shapely female bodies but and uh but songbirds Oh, they were actually female bodies with the heads of a sparrow. They sit in the sand the sweetness of songbirds. Forgive me for that. Let me re repeat that uh, for editing. There is at least one myth that insists that the sirens were shapely female bodies, but with the heads of a sparrow. Thus they said, with the sweetness of a songbird. Even often claimed the sirens were the size and appearance of normal songbirds. But the human faces deem them the most beautiful to grace the earth. So, the question we ask now is, what exactly is a siren? Well, in Greek mythology, a siren was said to be a human-like creature that had a alluring voice. These were used to entice men to their deaths. Think of like... I know this is loosely based, but and not the best, but kind of like the sirens in Vampire Diaries. You know, they were just like these really beautiful women, and their music would lure the men to their deaths, where they would be eaten alive, so to speak. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. However, Roman poets added to the lore by placing the sirens on small islands that consisted of cliffs and rocks where nothing rose. It is to these dangerous shores that men sail too close and wreck on the crop outcrops hidden within the churning waves. So like they would like be sailing along, you know, low land in sight and all of a sudden they'd see this, this um, land ho! And they would hear this, this music that would kind of permeate through the air, leading them towards the land where they would crash up to the, these rocks and be victims of the silence. And interestingly enough, the name Siren is of Greek origin, as it breaks down into rope on cord and binding entangler. Interesting. So I guess, you know, the rope on the cord is the voice luring you in and then to your tangled in their web, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, it's often thought to be an indicator of the role of, you know, that they played in the Odyssey, where Odysseus is only able to resist their lure. Um, Actually, and... he didn't. Ah, we need to talk to our... Or, he was uh, actually tied to the mast while his uh, his shipmates all had a uh, uh, their ears covered in wax. 
and caught uh and and he like i said he was tied down to the uh to the mass uh and uh as he's going through the anguish and hearing the calls his uh fellow uh, shipmates were uh trying to sail away from it yes um i apologize i misread that myself um he was only able to resist it because he was tied to the mast but he kept yelling for them to untie him right and the beauty of the siren's faces or the human part of their anatomy, so to speak, um, was not what attracted Odysseus, but it was their song. So like he heard the song, he was attracted, he saw them and he's like, eh, never mind, no way, not interested. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I digress though. Scholar Walter Copland Perry believed that their song though is sweet and irresistible, is no less sad than sweet. As it, as it lacked both body and soul in a fatal lethargy, the forerunner of death and corruption. So again, you hear this gorgeous voice, you're lured in, and before you can say, no thanks, I'm not interested, you're dead. Continue on. No problem. Continuing on, you know, but what to, uh, to what purpose? Why would we avoid these strange bird women, and why would they want to destroy ships? Sailors drowning out or crushed between the waves and the rocks. Let's look at Circe. Now, Circe was a sorceress. Tried saying that real quick. Sorcery the sorceress. Sorcery the sorceress. Sorcery the sorceress. Circe. The sorceress. Ah, okay. She was the daughter of the god Helios and an ocean uh, nymph called Paris uh, that claimed that the sirens toy uh, there or lay there in the meadows round the harpies' corpses rotting away, the rags of skin shivering on their bones. Scholars believe that implies that the sirens may be cannibals. Ooh. I, I told you, check out Vampire Diaries. Yep. Those women eat up those men. Chomp, yep. chomp. They do call the men to their deaths so themselves can feast on the bloated and rotting corpses. Of course, they just may be destructive creatures without souls who thrive on disaster and death. Ooh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> there are different stories from myth about sirens. That if you are hard to wonder which witch is closer than the truth. I do like the way that's sounding. Wonder which witch is closer to the truth. Roman uh, poet Ovid claimed that the young sirens were once companions to Persephone or Persephone when they were, she was young. Upon Hades abducting Persephone and keeping her trapped with him in Tartarus, the sirens were given hideous wings by the god goddess Dementor. So that Demeter. I can... they they were not a Demeter. That's Harry Potter. It was the goddess I, Demeter. <laughs> well, I've heard I've heard two different sayings on Demeter uh, and Dementor. So I was using Dementor. Uh, so they could search for Persephone. But the story turned on its head by the Latin scholar Hyginus, who insisted Demeter cursed the sirens for not keeping uh, Persephone safe. 
And it trapped them on their rocky island, doomed to long life in exile, which only, and by the day mortal men were no longer tempted, would safely sail by. Yes, authors after Homer's time have added to the myths, stating that with Odysseus escaping the sirens, despite hearing their song, soon as he was out of the range of their voices, they flung themselves into the water and drowned in the same waves that they had lured him in time and again. Yes, I do want to bring uh, bring up the fact that you did uh, mention Odysseus. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jason and his Argonauts were actually tempted by sirens and only from the sweet voice of the ship crewmate, which was Orpheus, were they able to sail on without any problems. Interesting. Now, Roman historian Pliny, the elder, thought that the stories of sirens were just a fable. He did admit, though, that the father of an author he admired insisted they truly did live in India. Apparently, the sirens in India lured men to sleep with their sweet lullabies and then tearing them to pieces. Um, again, going back to Vampire Diaries, I know it's like Kim, enough, but I digress. There yeah. is a scene where the siren's in a pool with a man and she's, you know, humming her lullaby and the man is just there, you know, kind of calm and relaxed, just listening to, to her song before she devours him. Um, now, Leonardo da Vinci wrote in his notes that the sirens sing so sweetly she can lull the mariners to sleep and then she climbs upon the ship to kill them in their sleep. Now, even though the first we hear of the sirens is in the Odyssey, historians are coming to believe that they originated in, believe it or not, the Middle East. Yes, I know this is a far-fetched, far from Greece or Rome, but that's where they think that they did um, start at, was the Middle East. Um, and it seems that through trade route is how they found their way to Greece, meeting the stories, not the sirens themselves. The mm -hmm. sirens were not on a trade route, but the stories of them were shared through trade route to Greece. Um, the difference in appearances in each culture does tend to reflect on their societal views. In Greek mythos, it would add a horrific treatment, while the Romans viewed the beauty of the utmost worth, and they tended to change, change the sirens into these beautiful temptresses. Sorry, words are. In the, you know, the Greeks were the ones that said that they were part woman, part bird, and the Romans, excuse me, the Romans said that they were full woman, you know, beautiful women. Um, and these tales that we have today have been filtered through the Roman eyes. Um, even, you know, stories such as Medusa had her moment of beauty rather than just being seen a monster. And I know we did talk about that way back on our Lizard People episode 
um, where she was beautiful until she ticked off a god, and then she became. What, uh, she didn't you know, tick off a god. She was uh, she was sexually mishandled by a god in a temple uh, of a of of a goddess, and the goddess got pissed at that, and decided of uh, punishing the god. She punished uh, Medusa. So she, uh, in retrospect, whether it was right or wrong, she the god was pissed off. But yes, goddess. <laughs> She was actually a uh, because of her beauty, she was a uh, a priestess of Aphrodite. Yes, and that would be great for a future episode as well. And uh, she, uh, I think, also she had a. Uh, uh, no, that was another uh, person. Uh, but yeah, she was. Uh, we'll get it. We'll get into the whole. Uh, Medusa for a future episode. <laughs> Medusa for a future episode, as well as the fact of uh, Crash of the Titans. Which is more than just a movie. It's two movies. Well, it's one movie <laughs> redone twice. But I digress. Um, we will talk about that in another episode. <laughs> yes. Let's continue with the sirens. All right. Now, sirens, however, were not just noted for their singing. It has been also written that each of the sirens could have one of numerous gifts. While one possessed a truly sweet song voice, another had the power of compulsion over the mortal minds. Another can play uh, archly moving music on a lyre, not uh, a lyre, but a lyre. While another rallies on her looks, which even Helen of Troy would probably envy. Some of these talents are odd, and if you left it wonder if, if something got lost in translation, why would a siren need to have a voice of a young woman? Controlling the winds would be a good one, as well as the ability to shapeshift. But the siren's one skill was that white stuff, which would mean anything, manipulating snow, the frosty waves, or the cream in your cappuccino. Ooh. Cappuccino. So the little cute design made in the cappuccinos that's manipulated by the sirens. That's uh, that is basically a a mermaid with two with uh, two tails. Yes, that's Starbucks, but they're not the only ones who make cappuccinos. I was talking about when you have a cappuccino, and you know how they do the the really cool design in the cream. Uh, or the foam, uh, well, and they do like a leaf or a heart or whatever. Maybe. Yes, I know the the Starbucks uh, symbol is a mermaid with two tails. Mm -hmm. But that would yeah. have been a, a couple of episodes back. Right. Excuse me. Neither here nor there. Mm -hmm. Now, the legend of sirens aren't just in the Mediterranean or Asian histories. Northern Europe does have some legends of their uh, sirens in their arsenal. The Rhine River is a major sh uh, shipping route, and even though today pilots call for locals to help navigate their ships up the river, legends say that a young woman flung herself into the river after her lover cheated on her. Upon sinking beneath the waters, she was transformed into a siren, and even now lures sailors on the Rhine to their deaths. Mm. 
her real name. Not known. So the locals named her L'Oreal. Which is kind of Lorelai. Lorelai, L'Oreal. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> L'Oreal is uh, hair care products. Makeup and hair care products. Which yes. Is, which is why you would actually have a it probably named after this uh, local it's siren. Lorelei. Okay, if you want to say Lorelei, <laughs> I still think it's L'Oreal. <laughs> now, after the rocky cliff on the banks of the, of the river, which echoes loud and eerily whenever a ship passes, Lorelei, or L'Oreal, has been blamed not only for the uh, inordinary high numbers of shipwrecks within the passage, but also the amplified echoes within that water stretch. Modern science has deemed that these echoes also merely uh, due to the rocks acting like amplifiers, giving a sensitivity in the way the sound would detect off the cliffs and the opportunity of shore. Sadly, Urban growth in areas makes a lower lie odd and echoes much harder to hear now. But it is still possible to hear the faintly echoes. There is, however, another story of Lorelei that says she likes to lay on the rocks on the Rhine River. And that if you see her, you will fatally to have a horrible death. Yes, um, as you can see. The Irish believe sirens were actually evil mermaids that traveled between dry land and sea using a magic cap. Their hair was the color of the sea and they boasted scaly skin in green and white. The Celts called their sirens marrows and they didn't seem to seduce the sailors. You see, the Marrows were also sea fairies. Um, what are they called? The Like the Dryads or the land ones. I think it's like a Myriad or something like that. Mm -hmm. That is a water. So I guess that would be what the Marrows were. Um, and these Marrows would take men from the shore to make them live underwater with them. The men, however, would find out quickly that, you know, they can't breathe underwater. However, they were bound to the marrows and, you know, were pretty much set to obey and grant every wish or whim. So, you know, they basically come with me, come underwater. They get down there and it's like, oh crap, I can't breathe. Oh, well, she's so beautiful. I can't resist. I'll go with her to like, to my last breath. Okay, correction on that. Uh -huh. uh, dryads were the oak tree nymphs, and the naiads were freshwater nymphs. Okay. And the nereids were the sea nymphs, and there the orids were mountain nymphs. Okay, so these would be, I guess, the sea, sea fairies would be the nereids? Yes. Interesting. Now, if we move over to Scotland, they do have a creature that they call the kiosk. This animal or creature or woman, whatever you want to call her, 
has an upper body of a woman and the tail of a salmon fish. These mystical women have several different legends around them. The first is that they marry men and, you know, they have their, their offspring that becomes a great seller. Another story says that she can grant three wishes. So she's like a genie. This is only if you catch her though. So remember, fish are kind of slippery. Yeah, it's almost similar to the leprechauns. Yes, but in Scotland. Right. Scotland. Yes. Unlike the sirens, this Scottish lass didn't lure men to her, but was rather pursued and was constantly avoiding capture. However, the most disturbing claim is that she is malevolent and likes to swallow men whole. So the only, I mean, trying to visualize, I mean, her mouth would have to open pretty wide for that, but the only way her victims can be saved is if someone finds and destroys the magical egg that contains her soul. Okay, so the Arabians have a form of a female genie that appears to live beside any body of water. Her name was El Nadaha, or female caller. And she is said to have a voice that never fails to enchant sailors. Sailors who went missing were said to be taken by El Nahada. She only appears at night. And so that would explain why anyone searching for their missing loved ones would not be able to find them during the daylight search. So why don't they search at night? Because it's dark. Yes, but if you know she only appears at night and she's taken him, you would think that they would search at night. Again, it's dark. We're talking about, you know, uh, people, you know, that don't want to go out at night because of all the uh, nasty. I mean, we're talking about uh, ancient myths and legends here. You know, you don't go out at night that somebody will come uh, come eat you. I was going to say there's torches, but OK. Yeah, even if you have torches, you know. Now, you want to talk about uh, our good friends up there in Russia. They believe that a woman who died violently or by suicide or doomed to live in the bottom of the rivers or marshes. These women sing siren songs to men who are nearby to charm them into sharing their warmth. Such men are doomed to die as their energy is slowly drained away. There are, however, a happy form of the siren that was introduced to Russia through Persia. These women are ca called uh, sirin and often portrayed as wearing a crown or habib-like glow or halo-like glow. I'm sorry, that's not habib, that's a halo-like glow. She would sing beautiful songs to the saints, though she did frighten those who did not want to hear her. They would eventually ring bells and make loud noise in order to scare her away. 
The fear being that if they heard the Sears song, that they would forget about the world and follow her, forgetting to eat or drink and slowly die. Following this creature, by the 17th century, late, uh, they came across the Siren had morphed into a being it would heavily messenger to a symbol of world harmony. She could now only be heard by those who were happy, but she was rarely seen because she was fast and fleeting whenever she wanted. She still, however, is a symbol of heavenly happiness and eternally joy. 2012, let's talk about that. That was reported that the water minister of Zimbabwe announced delays in building of two different reservoirs because sirens were keeping the workers away. 2012, as opposed to the ancient myths. Australian, Sounds to me like some men were lazy. Yeah, well, Australian Aborigines believe the sirens still live in the rivers. They're said to instruct women on issues of fertility and that they were readily seen as they will quickly jump into the rocks they sun themselves on or dive into the river. Then the Maori, not the Mar Ma Maori. Maori of New Zealand believe that uh, in Tania of the reef, even though commissioning a statue of her city of Napier. The statue's inscription reads, An old Maori legend tells of how uh, Pania, lured by the siren's voice of the sea people, swam out to meet her. When they endeavored to return her to her lover, she was transformed into the reef, which is now lies beyond the Napier breakwaters. It is said her soul can still be seen today, protecting the sea and her people in, in the shape of a shark or stingray. Ooh. Yes, now we're going to go down south to Mexico and the Mexican folklore of La Serena, which Serena is actually um, Spanish for mermaid. And she is I always thought it was Serena, but Serena, okay. Serena is the actual um, pronunciation. Okay. Serena. Okay. Serena, yeah, sorry. Got to work on my Spanish a little. It's been a while. <laughs> she is actually half sea serpent and half human. She is also the goddess of water. This includes rivers and seas. And it would eventually morph over the years to the goddess of baptism. In the Philippines, the sirena enchants men. Who, intent, who hypnotizes them with her song and carries them off into the deep sea to sacrifice them to the water deities. There are even stories of the Serena pretending to drown, luring men to come save her, and then killing those who fall rubes. It is said that the creature, like sea turtles and dolphins, um, usually accompany Serena and she is usually seen with them. Now, surprisingly, Philippine folklore does have a sereno, or a male version of the sirens who lures the maidens away. 
Um, others say they are ravished and choose to stay in the sea after they are abducted. So it's interesting. Do they drown them or do they seduce them? Inquiring minds want to know. Who knows? Yes. Now, another form of the male siren is El Encanto, a freshwater dolphin that swims in the Amazon. It is said sometimes to take on the form of a human male. The Encanto hypnotizes women and takes them underwater to the city of Encante. Grown women do have a chance to resist, but virgins have no such hope. Some of the women do manage to escape and return home, but if they do, they're pregnant. Right. Nice. Sounds like a good cover-up for a one-night stand. Mm -hmm. They say that in order to recognize him for what he truly is on land, he will have a bald spot where his blowhole would be if he was in a boffin form. Um, so he would be wearing a hat. And it's not just women. El Encanto will just as happily seduce a man should the opportunity arise. So I guess that's a um, a good excuse for saying, oh, I'm not gay. I was I was seduced by El Encanto. I would mm -hmm. never be with a man if it wasn't for El Encanto. Right. Yeah. Just come clean. Be proud of who you are, people. Continue on. <laughs> Well, there are really uh, is a freshwater river dolphin in the Amazon, locally known as Bolto. And it's also called the uh, Amazon River Dolphin. Or the Peak River Dolphin can be found in freshwater Amazonian uh, or Kino River Basin. But now it's considered an endangered species. They're really cute if you've ever seen video of one. In Egypt, El Nahara wanders barefoot throughout the Delta region and is said to be in love with her pain and misery. Be in love with her pain and misery? She must love her pain and misery. Some people like to be sufferers. I mean, you've always met those doom and gloom people that just thrive and revel in depression. Or not, I don't right. want to say depression, but negativity. Right. Out of the doom and gloom type of people. Yes, that's now, true. She does, she does try to use her voice to pull men in from their homes. They still will walk for with miles just to reach her where she waits on the riverbank of the Nile or the tributaries. None of the bodies have been found, so it's not known if she drowns them uh, or eats them or the side or if they're in the deep rivers that who knows? It is said if you try to stop these men from reaching the river, you'll become her next victim. Now, now in the waters, uh, we've already discussed about the uh, the pink dolphin in the waters of Brazil and Colombia. The Yara are said to be uh, good and bad. They fall in love with men and stay with them until death. They're also blamed for missing people in lost boats. There is a mermaid version who is said to be a lot more forceful and love having nothing to do with it, but rather dominant and cruelty. The Yara 
both male and female, are said to not care whether a person is married or promised. They actually prefer the mayhem that is created when a relationship is destroyed. Mm. Yeah. Got some now, cheating creatures there. Yes. Now, there is a legend of a ghost ship in the region that appears strangely with bright lights that can be seen for miles and with music that carries from long distance. The ship is manned with a crew of sailors that have been missing limbs or visible deformities. Any who board the ship and join the party eventually becomes the crew, the deformities. And any of the crew who notices that you're staring punish you by twisting your mouth off and wrenching down your head around mostly though the ship is crewed by the drowned who are still collected from the sea. What does this have to do with sirens? Well, there are three figures who lured these souls on board. La Sarina Calinche, uh, La Pinocchia, and their brother, El Pinoc. Uh, anyone alive? Pinkway? Pinkway. Okay. Anyone alive that is lured by these ship becomes a slave to this crew. And once their legs are wrenched around to hold out their own backs. You know what that kind of reminds me of? I don't know. Disney's but... Jungle Cruise? No. Have you seen the movie? I have. It's actually really cute. I liked it. But okay. I, I was thinking more of um, the it... Pirates of the Caribbean, where yes. I think it's Dead Man Tells No Tells or something like that. The one Jenny with Jones's uh, crew. Yeah, that's what that reminds me of. You know, where anybody who comes part of his true gets crew get, becomes de, um, deformed and misfigured. Mm -hmm. Now, let's take a trip back to Europe and visit France, as it is the home to Melusine. This is a female spirit of fresh water. And um, kind of like a, this can be found in a holy well or even a river. Now, the story goes that King of Scotland went hunting and came across a beautiful woman named Pressine. And he wanted to marry her. And he did marry her only after he promised he would not enter a room whenever she gave birth or while the child bathed. Now, Pressine gives birth to three triplets, girls. She named these girls Melusine, Melior and Palatine. Now, naturally, the king breaks his agreement and sees Pressine bailing. Bailing? Bathing. <laughs> bathing. He saw them naked. He saw Pressine naked, bathing. Um, so her and her girls wind up on the island of Avalon. And, the, and they stay there till the girls turn 15. Now, it is then that Melusine asked her mother why they have to remain on Avalon. Upon learning of her father's broken promise, she plans revenge. The girls capture and imprison the king. And they, you know, they take him along with his riches into a mountain. 
Yes, but interesting about Avalon. That's also where they say that uh, King Arthur waits for his uh, uh, for his return, uh, surrounded by three maidens. Interesting. I wonder if it's the same maidens. I don't know. Well, just say that you know when Priscine does discover what the girls have done, she punishes them. Melusine, the culprit, I guess you could say, let not the culprit, but the mastermind behind the whole I, ordeal. Is for is cursed to take the form of a serpent from the waist down once a week. Now later on, a man named Ramondine comes across Melusine in a French forest outside of Pointu and wants to marry her. Melusine agrees only if he promises never to enter the bath on Saturdays. Pair have 10 sons before his curiosity gets the best of him. And so he decides to sneak a peek at her bathing on Saturday nights. Um, he, he sneaks a peek to see her serpent tail all for the world to see. Um, he does keep her secret for a while until one of their sons kills his younger brother. Raymondine, who is grieving for his son, accuses Melusine of being a serpent and therefore an evil influence. Now, I know that there's some influencers out there, but, you know, this is kind of like taking it to another extreme. Mm -hmm. um, after, you know, being accused of being this evil influence, she then decides to transform herself into a dragon and leaves Raymondine with two rings before flying away to never be seen again. However, she does return at night to nurse their children who were still infants. Now, there are so, several French royal houses who claim to be descendants of Mazeline. The Lugian uh, family who ruled the Cyprus for 1192 to 1489, as well as the court of Luxembourg. Melusia, however, is still debated as whether she is or isn't descended of a mermaid or a siren. The courts of Luxembourg claim that the kinship to Mousseline through the ancestors of Belgian of, or German descent. Belgian. I'm sorry, that's... <laughs> Belgian. Belgian like, is spelled wrong. Uh, of Belgian or German descent. Descent, right. Border shifts seem to make nationality a little bit muddy. The This ancestor, Siegfried of Ardennes, who founded Luxembourg and married Methuseline, who Mussolina. <laughs> Mussolina, who magically created his castle that rests on the fortified Bach rock back in 963 AD. She, as with others before, insisted on the marriage terms of one day of privacy a week. Naturally, over time, Siegfried uh, gets curiouser and spots Mussolina lounging in her bath and recognizes that she isn't fully human. And Melusalina and her bathtub sink go into the ground where she becomes entrapped. Still, she allows to appear every seven years and you never know which form she will possess. 
woman or serpent. Whenever she appears, there has got to be a golden key in her mouth that anyone could take from her. And if they are brave, that key will free her from the imprisonment and she will be then your bride. Each time he appears and no one claims the keys that she adds a single stitch to her linen chemise that she is sewing. The stories say that the chemise is finished before anyone frees her uh, in the city of Luxembourg will sink into the rock and become trapped alongside with her. So you got to wait until she, uh, you got to make sure you uh, do it before she finishes sewing. Yeah, so hurry up, people. I mean, this has been how long? We don't want Luxembourg to, to, like, you know, go into the ground. <laughs> right. And this is from 963 AD up till yes. now. Now, Germany has another tale of Mussolini, the one who is set in the forest of Schrollenwald. Schrollenwald, where a young woman comes across Mussolini, or young man, in her natural form of half-woman, half-serpent. She tells him that she will kiss him three times over three days, and that she will be free and able to wed him. The young man is enamored by her beauty and has no, has no trouble kissing her three times that day. But when he arrives the following day, she is less beautiful and more monstrous. He somehow manages to bestow the three kisses on her before fleeing back home. The third day, he has to work up the courage to go up uh, into the forest and kiss her. But Felicelene meets him in fully ugly and repulsive form. Her reptilian side is in full bloom, and he flees in horror without a single kiss. He decides to marry a different girl, but they and their wedding party all die from the serpent venom that is somehow laced throughout the entire feast. Somebody got revenge. Yeah. Now, you know, Tales of Mussolini did get around Europe and found their way to Britain, where she was known as a water fairy who abducted children and left changelings in their place. Um, again, we did talk about changelings in our episode about fairies. Um, so if you want to find out more about them, you could ca uh, catch that episode. Um, she is also said to be a demon wife in the tale of Richard I. According to the story, King Richard was a descendant of a Count of Anjou, who encountered Melusine during his travels away from home. The Count was smitten, and the two were wed. With Messaline, he did have four sons. Apparently, she very rarely went to church and always left in the middle of the Mass. Now, this made King Richard grow suspicious, and he eventually ordered his men to restrain her. But before she can be restrained, she rises into the air and, in full view, flies out the church through the highest window. With her, she takes her two youngest sons. One of the sons left behind, apparently, 
grew to have what is called a troublesome nature. This, they say, was because of her demonic, excuse me, this was because of her demonic lesion, lineage. Lineage. Lineage, lineage, tomato, tomato. Uh-huh, sure. <laughs> Richard's for Richard the First's mother, who was Eleanor of Aquitaine, Aquitaine, was a similar account in her marriage to King Henry II. According to a 14th century author, Eleanor's name was actually Cassidorian, as she bore the king two sons and a daughter. When King Henry forced Cassidorian to remain for the entirety of mass, she grabs their daughters and fled through the church roof. Neither were seen again. I bet you're asking yourself, however, how do these stories relate to sirens? Well, according to Plato, all sirens fell into one of three categories. They were either celestial, under the authority of Zeus, generative, which were under Poseidon, or purificatory sirens, who served Hades. Now, the majority of sirens appear to, to fall under Hades. Ovid changed things a bit and explained that they were only considered Hades due to his abduction of Persephone and forcing her to marry him, which we talked about earlier. It's either that they were um, supposed Earth to guard or her or save her. Mm-hmm. Now, there is also another uh, form of siren put forward by the reformist Martin Luther, who likened Methuselah of Luxembourg as that of Satan, either appearing in female form or to seduce men or sending his siren to do his bidding. As such, Mussolini. Not Mussolini, Melusina. Melusina was uh, known in Germany was the same devilish creature in disguise. Of course, not, Mussolini was a devil too. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. <laughs> not only using the song, but rather her beauty to tempt desires of a man. And the Aquanautica, Jason, is warned by Chiron that the bard Ophius, which I mentioned at the start of the uh, start of the podcast, uh. Chiron uh, says, hey, take Orpheus with you. He can be a real help. So Jason agrees, not knowing, not understanding the fact of how a musician could ever help him on, uh, on his journey. When the Argonauts sailed past the Siren Line, uh, Siren Island, Orpheus hears their song and he puts out his lyre and plays even more beautifully than the Sirens could say. Drowning out their song. Prince uh, Buras, however, had already heard the siren song and dove into the sea, but is spared by the goddess Aphrodite, 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 to carry him away. How many sirens were there? Myth changes from story to story. Odysseus was controlled by two sirens, 
though Playo insisted there were eight of them. The names and uh, numbers have changed from tale to tale. Modern scholars have upped the numbers to ten. Even their parentage is a nightmare. With the individual sirens have multiple god and goddess listed as their parents, depending on which account you, you trust. No matter how many myths insisted the sirens were partly avian, artists were quick to drop the birdie-like elements, instead illustrating as seductive nymphs-like women with long, flowing hair. Billowing togas wrapped seductively to leave little to the imagination. You know, you're probably looking in the embodiment of perfection. Clay pottery, however, kept the avian look far longer than the worship of sirens faded into purity. It wasn't until the Middle Ages that sirens took a heavy shift and became wrapped around with the stories of mermaids. Art from time tended on the paint, the sirens, and mermaids from the same brush, though some still clung to the older ways. You know, oddly enough, while we know that male sirens were a thing, you know, we know this because of art um, that is still being unearthed that depict these half-men, half-bird creatures. Mm -hmm. All the myths surrounding male sirens have been lost to time. The art depicting such creatures appears to have stopped by around the 5th century before Christ's birth. Stories must have inspired these artesians. However, we have yet to find them. Now, you would think it odd that someone would want to worship a siren. However, between 479 and 323 BC, sirens were often used as a funeral icons as either small statuary that stayed with the mourner, carved figurines that capped headstones are carved into relief on a gravestone's upper surface. You know, that kind of makes sense because the fact that, you know, they they were tied to Hades, which is the god of the underworld. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that they would be part of a, you know, funeral ceremony. Um, but siren worship, such as it was, was the most popular along the Italian coast. The story being that when a siren killed itself, the coastal Naples city is where the bodies washed ashore. The islands named the islands off of their coast after the sirens and considered them as sacred places. After the time of Christ and the rise of Christianity, these pagan beliefs like sirens were not unearthly beings. Um, Christian Bishop Isidore of Seville wrote that somewhere between 600 and 636 AD, the siren is considered an allegory of a temptation of woman, a seductress that overcomes man's better judgment, leading them to sorrow. Just love how our us women get the, the short ends of a stick. Hmm. There were three sirens, he wrote. Speaking of Greek mythology, part virgins and part birds with wings and claws. One of them sang while another played the flute. The third played a lyre or a lyre. They drew the sailors decoying by song to shipwreck. According to the truth, however, 
These were just prostitutes who led the travelers down poverty and were said to impose shipwreck on them. His belief as to why they had wings and claws was because love flies and wounds and thought they stayed on their island in the waves because it was a wave that created Venus. Now, sirens may have been an old world belief, but that doesn't stop them from cro cropping up in modern times. The movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, starring George Clooney, had a memorable scene of three water-soaked women seductively singing and doing all things. Laundry in a stream. Such domestic chores certainly do not stop our trio of anti-heroes from falling under their spells. But in the movie, after loosely based on the Odyssey, in person, you know, and then we talk about Percy Jackson and the uh, Percy Jackson in the Sea of Monsters. Annabeth tries to listen to the siren song just as Odysseus, uh, Odysseus did, though Annabeth nearly dies because of it. So, again, you know, it, Dad. I'm sorry to interrupt. Dad loved Where Oh Brother Where Art Thou. That was one of his favorite movies. He kept telling me every time I saw him, "Have you seen Oh Brother Where Art Thou?" No, Dad. Oh, you've got to see it. It is such a cute movie. It's one of his never, favorites. Never seen it. Oh, Dad swore by it. I actually, I take that back. I actually did actually see the last five minutes of the movie where he uh, rescues the, uh, you know. I haven't he, uh, seen it, so just say last five of the movie. Yeah, last five minutes of the movie. Now. Even marketing gets involved, like when the Starbucks coffee was being formed back in 1971. Being from Seattle, the co-founders decided to keep the business centered around the fact that Seattle is a shipping town with a busy port. Terry Heckler, co-founder and corporate artist, wanted to th uh, thrill that his partner, Gordon Bauer, wanted to name the company Pe Pequod after the fictional whaling ship in Herman Melville's Moby Dick. Both loved the story, but Terry had a hard time believing anybody would find the cup of Pequod tempting. <laughs> Wanting a local tie-in for the brand, and since uh, Mount Rainier looming over the Puget Sound was the most easy identifiable trademark in the area, Terry started researching the names of some of the Rainier old mining camps, thinking that maybe that would be a, a suitable name. The Starbro Mining Company was named after Peter Starbro, who owned a copper mine, which ran from 1910 to 1920s. It never amounted to much, but Terry, a huge fan of Moby Dick, mistakenly read it as Starbro. The name stuck with him and reminded him of Starbuck, the first mate on the Pequod. Once he went to Gordon with the name, there was no turning back. For the logo itself, the men started digging through the old mar maritime books and came across a siren, which some people claim is a mermaid, but we now know it's a siren. Terry loved the look and used it as an inspiration to drop his original logo. She had a facelift and, over the years, but with the remain tried and true uh, of the original design. When asked if they wanted to 
uh, siren to best re represent the region and by the brand. Terry would explain that being a uh, Seattle, they felt a strong connection with the Puget Sound itself. And the coffee beans they shipped directly to Seattle on a huge cargo container ship and unloaded at the dock downtown that she would perfectly represent both the region and the product. <laughs> Not saying that this this part of the thinking at the time, but how do you possibly resist a siren song of a good old-fashioned cup of joe? Easily. The scent in the air still takes the deep drive through through lines of long and profit margins. Would not so long ago, the only logo you'd be willing to buy yourself would be, say, Adidas or Nike. The world became proud to walk around to be seen sipping from that white and green cup. Now, I do love the smell of coffee. It is one of the most, I don't know, for me, it, it's just a very calming scent. In fact, Mercy and I, when we go to the grocery store and we go near the coffee aisle, we have to walk up to where they had the fresh ground coffee and just take in a huge whiff. It's just one of my favorite smells. Mm -hmm. Now, the phrase siren song is part of our culture. Even our modern day divas are partially derived from sirens. So can you picture like Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, Dolly Parton? You know, these are women that could be sirens because of their beauty of their voice. They are women with beautiful voices and beguiling images. And they were often slapped with the name Diva. This was shortened from the original Prima Donna in the operatic circles. However, since its first appearances, a Diva also comes to be seen with a negative label. Um, you know, these are usually the women who are high-maintenance nightmares who believe themselves above the world. Mm -hmm. It doesn't help that in today's society that we so readily place them on pedestals regarding, I'm sorry, regardless of how they treat their fellow men. So it seems like society throughout the world have often looked for someone tantalizing out of reach that they can pin their hopes and dreams upon. Um, you know, in its heyday, even Hollywood had its own sirens, hailing seductively beautiful or charming women of the silver screen. Um, some of them were Audrey Hepburn, you know, my idol, love her to death. Mm -hmm. Others, Mae West and Marilyn Monroe. Such starlets were not only heralded for their beauty, but also for their scandalous antics off screen that the Hollywood gossip thrived upon. The title wasn't meant as an insult as many women embraced the moniker as it's meant nothing more than, you know, they were dangerously beautiful. Monroe, however, was one of the rare women who hated the idea that she was only seen for her sex appeal. These days, a woman is more likely to side with Monroe and reject the title as we would rather acknowledge more for what their talent is than being just a pretty face. Mm -hmm. Now, we do also want to talk about why create sirens in the first place. Even the strangest of myths had to be inspired by something. Sirens, sea monsters, 
fantastical phenomenon, do 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 do, such as the Bermuda Triangle, with a preferable answer to why some ships left port and never returned, or why some sailors went overboard when the rest of the crew made it back to safety to port. Mm-hmm. No one wanted to think of a loved one so depressed and despondent that they would rather jump overboard to drown at sea. No one in that their beloved was tricked into pent. Oh, Pearl. into Pearl. <laughs> it looked like pent. <laughs> if it hadn't been for the said sea monster or the siren or other misguided creations, uh, then their husband, lover, or father, son, uh, surely would have returned to them. No one really wanted to believe that they were cherished, that the person they cherished could have been lost to hurricanes or unseen rock or reefs under the waves, which is odd if you think about it. Wouldn't you rather want to think that the person intended to return but was caught by circumstances that they lost the fight and rather than blaming some supernatural being, dragging them to the death? But then in some ways, sirens are linked to harpies but only so far as they are both descended from gods of water and have both female and male avian body parts. Oh, both female and avian body parts. The harpies were rather seen as brutish beasts who befouled and besmirked everything they touched, which was bellied up to the beauty of their faces. Harpies weren't held to an island, but flawed wherever they wound up and thoroughly swept of their faces. Their voices were ugly, mocking things. Now, there are tales of sirens interacting with others rather than simply singing sailors to their doom. One such tale has two different endings, though. In both, the sirens challenge the nine muses to a singing contest. And, of course, the sirens lose. The more popular ending is that the muse claimed as their prize the feathers that covered the sirens' wings and bodies, and that's how they became featherless. Now, the darker version, however, has the sirens themselves plucking out their own feathers in defeat before looping to the seas and becoming Lucane Islands off the coast of Crete. Now, Lucane literally translates to featherless. Now, was there, was there perhaps a way to survive if you came across one? Majority of cultures in history seem to agree that sirens charm anyone. Male, female, boy, girl, cat, dog, anyone is um, victim of their song. The reason we can hear the sirens in relation to sailors is because it used to be that only men who went to sea while the women folk stayed home. Now, occasionally women went along for the ride and they were just as capable of drowning as the men around them. And the sirens certainly weren't going to make an exception to save her. Depending on which myth you subscribe to the possibility you know, it includes salt, which keeps a siren on her island rather than escape to the mainland. Bronze, dagger, bronze daggers are dipped in the victim's blood or an arrow shot from a bow of a hero 
Modern scholars have suggested that these days, anyone who, for whatever reason, are not attracted to women can easily escape their clutches. So, you know, before you congratulate, congratulate yourself from being off the hook, do consider this. Given how distracted our society is these days with our internet, phone, you know, social media, odds are that if a siren ever did exist, they are definitely gone by now. Having drowned themselves in a world where they are drowned out. Or are they? Or are they? Now, we're not saying that our modern day con conveniences are wrong, but they are pretty overwhelming. Could you just go for the worst without checking your social media feeds? Just seven little days? <laughs> Odds are you can't. And that's fine. You're in the company with billions upon billions ar around the world. On the average, that a typical working age person in the U.S. spends more than two and a half hours a day using social platforms. Other countries' numbers average both higher and lower depending on location. But that two and a half hours uh, just on social media like X, Facebook, and Instagram, take a look at your day-to-day -day life. How often do you listen to music with your headphones on or out in your car with a radio blasting? How about watching videos on YouTube, TikTok, and like during the day or stream movies and it shows to your portable devices? What about video gaming or listening to audiobooks? Many of us are so distracted from what's going on around us. Is it our technology? Is it modern day sirens? Can dry fits keep us unaware of dangers around us? How many of us have bumped into someone or something because we're busy looking down at our phones? How many people of us miss on real conversations because we're scanning our platforms? How many tuned out the world because we don't want to listen to it, uh, lift our eyes from every page because we are thrown into such a thrilling part of the story? <laughs> we're not saying that any of these things are bad or that you're spending too much time uh, on them. What's the use of pointing out this every anything that can become a distraction if we allowed ourselves to only be focused? Maybe the Greeks had a, a right when the allegory of temptation, but there's also an argument that also goes deeper than that. Still, we hope you don't toss podcasts onto the leak of distractions. Especially not ours. Yes, please continue to listen to ours because we do plan to be around for quite some time. And we are counting on your, I'm sorry, we are counting on you to boast our numbers. So if you've enjoyed this just a little bit, you know, introduce us to like-minded friends. We can be found at theskepticpsychic.com and in our Facebook group, Skeptic Psychic. We invite you to join, uh, join us there where you can hear and talk with like-minded people and, you know, ask questions, share a meme or two. But we also ask, do you believe sirens exist? What are your thoughts about them? Let us know in the comments. Richard, what are your thoughts? 
Uh, a very good allegory of the fact of, of uh, you know, the depression and the anxiety of being out at sea for such a long time does kind of really sound interesting. Uh, I do remember an episode of DuckTales where uh, they were going uh, through an adventure similar to the Odyssey and the only person that wasn't uh, uh, put the ears of wax was Scrooge McDuck and he's like yeah sure you know I, I'm uh, proposed to you know the women and uh, the female wilds and the uh, uh, cartoon sirens begin talking about how much treasure is over on their island. <laughs> so Which you were <laughs> you were a sailor. Did you ever see anything strange when you were out at sea? Uh I can't tell you. You can't tell us. Nope, can't tell you. Oh, were you sworn to secrecy? I just can't tell you. Interesting. Um, I have a, a friend who I was talking to the other day and I was telling her about this episode and she has a very interesting theory. Her theory is that all these things do exist, such as sirens, mermaids, vampires, werewolves, you name it. She believes that they all exist, but they are in like different dimensions. I don't yeah. know. What are your thoughts? Do you, I know you believe in alternate dimensions. Do you I think do these possibly them. things could be around in another dimension in another time frame? Well, I actually believe that uh, that something like that uh, can actually, you know, you know, the thing we've, uh, as we stated before, maybe we need to turn off our devices and actually go out and see the world as it is. Maybe uh, the sirens are actually there. Interesting. Maybe Yes, well, we definitely need to do on an episode on dimensions sometime. Um, but for that, we this is calling into this episode. We ask that you like and subscribe and click the notification so you can get updates on when we have more episodes. Um, and if you are listening on your favorite podcast, we ask that you rate us. And what kind of uh, ratings do we like? We do like five stars, but with like whatever you take us. We do ask that if you're able to review us, um, we will read review on air. And until next week, we ask that you take care and stay safe and sweet dreams. And unpleasant nightmares. Good night, everybody. Good night.